Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Brian Jones. Brian is the black belt gym owner of Valhalla Academy in Frankfort, Kentucky. Really appreciate Brian joining me on the episode today. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined via the Louisville Combat Academy Roadcaster line by Brian Jones from Frankfort, Kentucky. Brian, how are you today? I'm great, Kelly. How are you doing? Doing very well. I really appreciate you com- coming on with me today. Since I've been doing the podcast, I started in 2017, and I do a lot of random topics, really. I can do some political stuff. I can do some silly, you know, just kind of uh, dicking around with my friends type stupid humor stuff. Um, I-, I do a lot of, you know, combat sports type episodes, and, and one of the recurring themes of the Kelly Patrick show has been to interview gym owners um, in particular in the state of Kentucky and you are a name that has been mentioned to me by multiple different people over the years that I should interview and I really appreciate you taking the time um, to join me today so thank you very much. Yeah well thanks for having me on. I've probably been mentioned a lot because I'm really I'm old. <laughs> I've been doing it for a while. <laughs> It's one of those things. Um, you, you joke about being old. Uh, my job as the interviewer is to ask all sorts of questions. If it's all right, could you tell us how old are you? What's your backstory? Who is Brian Jones? Where are you from? What brought you into the world of martial arts? Okay, that's a pretty big question. So I'm, I'm 48. I just turned 48 this year. And I've been doing martial arts since I was probably nine years old, I guess. I started, got my start in... I'm originally from Eastern Kentucky, Floyd County, uh, Prestonsburg area. I got my start in Taekwondo. I did that for 
number of years as a kid and kind of continued. Um, I dabbled in sort of Kempo for a few years, some collegiate boxing, and then uh, some just other things that were training. Then I kind of got into judo, which led me into uh, jujitsu because I was training with, uh, I was training judo at the University of Kentucky. And I kept meeting people from the jiu-jitsu club, and they were just so good on the ground. Uh, and Aaron Basil is one of those people uh, from Four Seasons where kind of a lot of this stuff started as far as I know. It was kind of a, a little hub there um, in, I guess it was probably probably started in around 99 or 2000 or something like that. So... From that, I was doing judo and jujitsu simultaneously. Kind of got into mixed martial arts uh, back when it was uh, sort of. As I never, I've, I've had five amateur fights. Uh, it was back when it was sort of unknown, unregulated, and kind of wild and woolly, you know. So there was the whole thing with that. I kind of came up through for the ranks at Four Seasons. Uh, most of my promotions, I mean, all of but one of my belts is from uh, Carlson Gracie Jr. Uh, got my brown belt was from uh, Mike O'Donnell through his, him, essentially. And now I am teaching at in Frankfurt uh, at Valhalla Academy. So, I mean, that's kind of my martial arts pedigree. I, I try to train with as many people. I've trained as, with as many people as I can. Uh, in, in particular, uh, in, in jiu-jitsu and also just in defensive tactics and firearms and things like that as well. Now, you mentioned you started doing judo at the University of Kentucky. I assume that means you were of college age at the time? I was. It was, I, and, and dates are sort of escaping me. I was in college. Um, I was a, I want to say, I was in school for so long. I, I got my undergraduate, just kind of, sorry, I got my undergraduate from UK and then went on to get my master's, got out of school for a little while and then came back and my PhD from there in exercise science. And uh, so I, when I talk about, I, I start to blank on, what college age actually is because I think I was a college student for half of my life. But, um, yeah, I was in my, I guess I was in my early twenties ish when I was doing, I started judo. And that's the first time you ever did any grappling. I did a little bit of grappling, um, at the Tracy Kempo, uh, club that was in town. And this was sort of, where I got into, I guess that the thing that aside from seeing the UFC, the original UFCs and things like that, but they had like shoot fighting was big, you know, and that was kind of a, a thing. And so there were some people who got together at the club over there and did some grappling, which I thought was really cool. Cause I'd never done anything like that. Like all of my stuff at that point had been sort of stand up. Um, now you say you had done a little bit of grappling with the Kempo in town. Was that in town? I want to make sure I'm following correctly in Eastern, yeah, it, in Eastern Kentucky. No, I'm sorry. That was in Lexington. Um, okay. it, it was in Lexington. 
so that was that was probably my my introduction aside from growing up as a kid and in in sort of a rural area where I would just wrestle and fight with my friends and cousins and whatnot but as far as training that was probably my introduction to grappling because uh, it was pretty rudimentary at the time but it kind of got a taste of I got a taste of it there okay now can you tell me more about was it a judo club who was it at the University of Kentucky in Lexington that introduced introduced you to judo so I just at University of Kentucky uh, in 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 Lexington, uh, we had a couple of different instructors. Um, uh, the guy's name was uh, John Hodgner, who was running the club at that time. And and like most of the university clubs, you know, you'll have high, you'll have a turnover uh, sometimes of people. So I had a couple of different instructors. And there were visiting black belts that were, say, graduate students, and they would come in from Europe or Asia or whatever, and they come up there and train with us. So I had a primary instructor and a lot of other people who would then come in and give give instruction. So it's hard to say exactly, uh, but I, I got my black belt in judo from uh, Don Leach, who was uh, teaching. Uh, at Four Seasons, running a judo program at Four Seasons at the time uh, that I got my black belt. So I got owe a lot to him. And also just there are a lot of people, again, just that would sort of filter through. Uh, and and I would learn a lot from, from different different instructors. Okay. And... During your time at Four Seasons, you mentioned Mike O'Donnell, of course, Carlson Gracie Jr. Um, I don't know, other names that come to mind, I guess. Uh, Junie Browning. Who, who, who all did you train with? Um, I know there was probably many people, but at Four Seasons, does, anyone, does anyone's name come to mind? Yeah, there were lots of people, lots of great training partners, and a lot of those people are gym owners now at the time at Black Belt's. Uh, Chris Griffin was Jason Keaton. Now, Chris Griffin has a school in Louisville, um, and Jason Keaton has a school in Columbia, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I've actually interviewed both of those guys on the podcast. Yeah. We all – so we were kind of – those guys and, you know, Mike O'Donnell, uh, Aaron Little. Uh, there were a lot of different people who started out and kind of came up through the ranks, and, you know, those – you know, there's a like I said, there are a bunch of different people uh, that I've trained with over the years, and I apologize for not mentioning everybody by name, but there's just a couple of the, um, of the people who were sort of in the uh, hardcore jujitsu MMA group where we go. Like our MMA training was a little bit um, probably we would just fight full contact every every time with very little padding. So it's kind of rough. We beat the crap out of each other, uh, learned a lot, got a little, lot tougher, but it, it was a good time. In hindsight, do you regret that hard sparring? I mean, no, yes and no. I mean, I, I, I've done a lot of – I've been had a lot of injuries just accumulated over the years. Fortunately, nothing that's been debilitating, although I know when I get up in the morning – 
you know, it's just like something will hurt. And I, you know, I, I, I think I feel that it, it took a, it took a, I'm sure it took a toll, but we you know when you're in your twenties, you can, you can bounce back from things like that. So I don't, I'm, I'm lucky in that I haven't had anything that was major and lasting. I never really broke any bones that I can remember. I mean, I've gotten knocked out a few times and lost some brain cells, but, uh, as far as actually, uh, as far as actually regretting it, I, I don't, uh, I think it was probably, you know, we were figuring things out at the time as far as training and pushing it, uh, more towards, I guess, almost, you know, realism as, as like we were just fighting each other and, that kind of built a toughness, although I don't know if it's the exact best way to train for longevity, but in your twenties, you know, that's, that's what you want to do. So I don't regret it. Now at what point, and you may not have the exact years, you know, memorized, but at what point did you, did you decide to open your own gym? Well, I opened my own gym. So I moved I actually, this, this actually does, I do have my um, dates on this. So I kind of moved from Lexington to Frankfurt in 2009 after I graduated uh, with my doctorate because I was going to get a job uh, at the University of Louisville. So I, I was up there teaching for a couple of years, living in Frankfurt, and I didn't have a gym. So I wasn't driving into Frankfurt. Um, I was training at core combat sports with uh, Seneca and uh, Rolando Hodded and those guys uh, up there. So I, I spent a couple of years going to classes up there, not teaching. And I just, I kind of, I was teaching a lot of classes at four seasons and I just wanted to take a break from teaching and just train. So I spent a couple of years going to classes up there and then I opened my gym and I think it was, late 2010 or early 2011. Okay. And when you, when you decided, so it sounds like you had just graduated um, from what I assume is your final college degree. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, it was, and that was 2009 when I graduated. I remember that because I had like, I moved from city to city. It was a big year. It was like get my black belt 2009 get my uh degree finished my dissertation finally got finished uh took a job in another town moved bought a house it was just like (laughs) it was a a, i remember that because it was like every major life stressor i guess big event uh, happened in the same year what was your goal at that time you you became a black belt why did you open your own gym well really the reason to that I wanted to open my own gym was, um, you know, I had, I had a job, uh, teaching, so it wasn't going to be a full, full time, essentially a full time. I'm going to open this gym to make money, uh, you know, in it, where it's a primary money maker for me or anything like that. But, uh, if it will, what, it, what I wanted to do was to, I like to teach people and I like to train. I wanted to create an environment where, I could sort of, um, you know, cr- kind of build a culture of where that I wanted to train in. 
and I, I wanted to say, well, okay, you know, there are different gyms, different gyms have different vibes, uh, and different ways of training. So what I wanted to do is try to create that environment that was, that took, uh, the intensity of the way I used to train, but then kind of moderated it with some sanity that I gained over, uh, the years of just, you know, understanding you can't break yourself every time. So I wanted to try to build something where it was, a was an, as a good environment. Uh, people like respected your, your, your health and your safety. We have a kind of a team environment where, you know, the new people weren't just punching bags that we actually took the time to teach. Uh, we trained really hard, but then we always uh, made sure that everybody was safe uh, and, you know, safety was a, was a priority. You know, the- so um, after starting your gym, how did that process go? I mean, we're, you know, uh, 13 years later or whatever it is. Um, tell me about the journey that is being a gym owner. How did it start versus what your expectations were? And then how, how it kind of panned out. How has that went? Well, it it went well. We started in uh, renting, you know, and I, and I always tell people when they're opening gyms, I think a lot of people, well, well let, me, let me go back for a second. I watched a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I knew open gyms with the approach of, you know, if you build it, they will come. And they went big and they got a space and they, they bought all this equipment, but they didn't have any students yet. And I, I, I thought that was kind of a, a backwards approach. Uh, what I did was I rented space from a local gym where we had a couple nights a week, we could pull out a mat in their aerobics room and just started training on those nights. You know, it kept my overhead low. Uh, we didn't have a spot for, they already had wrestling mats there, which was, was not ideal, but it was, something where I didn't have to, to actually pay for mats. So we spent some time there building up uh, the, the gym membership until we had enough people to cover moving out and getting our own space. And, you know, since then it's, it's been, it's been really good. Um, we were building and building and then we moved to a new space downtown uh, in Frankfurt uh, and we have a lot of, we're still working on building that space out. A lot of plans that I had got sort of shelved, you know, with the COVID and everything. Uh, but it was, uh, it's, it's gone well. I can't, had a lot of uh, great people to train with. You know, some have moved, moved away. Um, I've had a lot of good times, a lot of good experiences. And uh, I, I think it's gone well. And I think it's going to get better. Uh, interesting question here, but what is your exact, what is your exact rank in Brazilian jiu-jitsu? I am a third degree black belt. Okay. So does that mean you are a professor, Brian Jones? I think that means that I, I think that I honestly, you know, I'm, you know, I know that there's a lot of these, a lot of terminology. I'm, I'm a fairly informal kind of person. So I believe that that does count as professor, 
but I always just have people call me Brian. You know, I've never been overly formal. I, we bow in, bow out of class. I don't get really hung up on titles or rank. I just like to train with people. And, uh, yeah. Have you ever awarded someone a black belt? I have. Uh, I've given um, uh, to my students, they've several students that have trained with me have earned black belts under me. So um, I've got, I think, six black belts currently. Uh, unfortunately, some of them have had to move um, to different states and everything. But as far as I know, everybody is still still training. So we keep, I try to keep in touch with as many people as I can. At your current location, you said you moved to a location in downtown Frankfurt. What year mm-hmm. did you? What year did you move into that new location? That was just before the whole world shut down. Jeez. <laughs> so it was. It really kind of put a hold on a lot of things. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only person who owned a gym that kind of felt some pain during that whole COVID situation. That was all the the lockdowns and the, you know, the distancing, which is kind of difficult. You can't really distance or wear a mask when you're training jiu-jitsu if you want to do anything reasonable. So it's, it's hard. I have a cousin who sold, I think, seven of his, his only seven rental properties and bought a real nice restaurant, no mortgage or anything, just bought the whole building. And he did that within a year prior to everything shutting down. So, I mean, that's a, a very unfortunate time for him, but also for a lot of business owners to, you know, you, you got to take some calculated risks with businesses at some point, but then to have it be the timing play out to where it's right before that, that's very unfortunate. Oh, it is. I mean, that's, I think that really made a huge impact on a lot of the service industry and gyms and I know a lot of gyms had to go out of business or uh, and I'll I think that well I don't get get go down that road but I think it was some of these the policies were a little extreme <laughs> yeah yeah I, I'd say I, that's a that's a without getting too political I think that's a, a safe statement I, I think maybe the, I'll just the, leave it the, there. What's that? I'll just leave it there. <laughs> yeah. I think it's safe to say maybe the government kind of overstepped their bounds a little bit, but we can move on. Um, <laughs> uh, how many uh, do you know about about how many students do you have? We have on the roster about fifty five students, I believe, uh, plus or minus. Um, also, and then that, that are sort of full-time students and we have, uh, we have quite a few people who sort of travel and they'll either, you know, people that have trained with us in the past will come back in or people that are in gyms, other gyms around the state or people who are actually just coming through the area to work, um, are, are in there quite a bit. So we end up. You know, we have a fairly tight, you know, student base that is is fluctuates a little bit, sometimes higher, sometimes lower. And, you know, but everybody's 
super dedicated. So those people that we have, I mean, the majority of the people that we have train at least two times a week and uh, a good portion of them train five days a week. And, so, okay. And what type of classes do you have? Do you have a kid's program? Is it jujitsu only? Do you have any, you know, any boxing or kickboxing, anything like that? What type of programs do you have at Valhalla? So currently we have, it, it is all, all the classes. Uh, we have a judo class that we've added. Um, and that's relatively new. Um, almost all the classes are uh, jujitsu. Uh, occasionally, you know, we're, we're planning on adding some other things, but it's been primarily a judo, a jujitsu school uh, since its inception. And we have gi and no gi classes. And then we have open mats uh, where you can wear whatever you want. Um, we do have a lot of uh, people. I mean, I have a striking background. We have uh, some other people that have striking backgrounds, and that stuff goes on. Uh, we kind of informally meet up and train either uh, sort of the self-defense side of things uh, with, you know, uh, punches. You know, so we'll incorporate, you know, punching into jiu-jitsu like it was when I started. So a jiu-jitsu class for me could include punching. It doesn't always have to be, I mean, that is a big part of the art. I think that's gotten sort of minimized uh, in recent years with the sort of the rise of the sport aspect of it. Not that there's anything wrong with the sport. It's just that uh, a lot of people start jujitsu for self-defense. And if you don't address the issue of, well, if someone's striking you, um, which of these moves uh, should you kind of avoid? Uh, that's a that's a pretty uh, important thing uh, to learn. If you put some gloves, some MMA gloves on people, and tell them that they can hit each other when they're training, it it really modifies their their game. Uh, they they there's things that they will do in a situation uh, that just aren't really the greatest thing if uh, someone's allowed to punch them in the face. That is an interesting conversation at Gracie's Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky, of course, where I train at for my Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, Professor Scott Smith has us do one for one entire week. For every 10-week cycle, we put on, you know, small but very soft gloves, and we kind of do what you're describing there. So once every 10 weeks, we have an entire week of that. What type of... Op- Actually, I'll ask you, as, as the gym owner and head instructor, do you notice maybe when you do those types, well, do you, do you announce those types of classes ahead of time, or do you just spring them on them randomly? And do you think the attendance for those classes is lower, or I guess maybe even higher, uh, than for just a regular old jujitsu class without strikes? Well, I don't really announce it. We just put it in there. Uh, so it's we just sort of add it in um, that way it's uh, that way you no know, that people can't duck it. And, and I haven't really noticed the difference in attendance, but I do get the feedback of people really enjoy it because if you, you know, the, one of the things, again, going back to my early, uh, early training is that there was never any separation between MMA and jujitsu when I started. 
Like, if you did jiu-jitsu, it was to fight. It wasn't to necessarily grapple in a tournament. Although you could, and we did, you, it was always, there was always the issue of strikes. Well, um, you had to address. And I think that that is important to do, even if you're competing, to kind of go back and say, well, okay, um, how do I modify my game to deal with strikes? And then, you know, is this the best position, you know, tactically for a self-defense situation? So I get good feedback and, you know, and I tell people, you don't have to, you don't have to hit full contact um, to get feedback about when you're getting hit. I mean, it's not, it's not a bad thing to get tagged. You know, if you get your nose busted, then, you know, it's, it's not a, a life or death situation. You just go put some cotton balls and Vaseline in it and, and deal with it. But if you, if you never get, the stress of that, you don't want the, the stress of that to be the first time. So, you know, a lot of, I'm, you know, being a little older, <clears throat> I forget that some of the younger generation have just never been punched in the face. And, you know, that when I was growing up, I mean, almost everybody I knew had been punched in the face because kids just sort of fought more. They got out more. They, they were a little more rough and tumble. They played less video games, and I think that there's a there's kind of a um, we've lost a little bit of the physicality of people being familiar with like this sort of interpersonal violence. You know, and I say that not to say that everybody should be a thug, but I mean, you, you know, you should be comfortable with defending yourself. You have to actually get hit. You can't because it. It has you have an emotional response to getting hit, and it's a good for you if you don't do it to the point where you get concussions all the time. So now, even oh, I'm that, sorry. no, yeah, and I just had another thought, but you know, if, if it, you know, and I challenge, and what I would say is that you know, if if people who aren't accustomed to this, or maybe you know, there's you know, sometimes people are like, well, you don't need to do that, or whatever. And everybody's opinion, that's fine. If you have that opinion, that's fine. But I would sort of challenge people to do this. Even if you don't want to put on gloves, just smack each other in the face. Like, just say, hey, look, I, I can smack you and punch you, you know, medium hard to the stomach or whatever. Just that. I mean, not even, you know, grabbing the throat or biting or anything like that. But just a little bit of stress, it will change the way you grapple. And it will change the way you breathe and it'll change your confidence level. Since you implement the striking, and of course it's foreign, you know, many people, you'll get like, you know, some regular old businessman who's never done any martial arts at all in his life, and he's 40 years old, and his buddy told him about jujitsu. He goes to try jujitsu. Maybe he's never even been into a fight in his life. And he goes in and he's making a little bit of progress with his jujitsu. And then one day it's time for striking um, with, with a, 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 you know, a gym owner who has kickboxing or boxing. They have to be very aware of the intensity which the guys go against each other with. Have you ever encountered any type of obstacles with that? Like, hey, come on, guys, chill out or, or anything like that? Yeah, of course you always get 
you kind of have to watch that. But I think a lot of that can be, a lot of that is um, dependent upon the sort of the culture of the gym. It's the same way with, you know, oh, an advanced belt and say a new belt. If so, if you have an upper rank and a lower and a new person, um, even if they can smash them, they don't have to do it all the time. You know, it, it should be a, it should be, there should be some, you know, they need to learn how to deal with pressure. They need to learn how to deal with all this stuff. So a lot of people freak out the first time anybody puts a neon belly on them. You know, it, it'd be the same as if they got smacked in the face, you know, they're panicking and all this other stuff. So you, you know, you want to gradually introduce that to people and you're not using your, your new students as a punching bag. Uh, you're just gradually inoculating them to the stress. So what I always tell people is that, you know, go at a pace that is comfortable for both of you. And if that's, if, if you've got two people that are advanced and they want to punch each other as hard as they can, I've got no problems with it if they both agree to it. But then if you have somebody who's a little less experienced in sort of striking, then you tone it down. Like, you know, if, if we have a drill, it's like if you're hitting them every five seconds, like stop. <laughs> you know, it's not helping you or them. All it's doing is you're sitting there making them feel really bad uh, so you want to add just enough stress to create a positive training uh, stimulus. And then, you know, then that goes for gra whether it's grappling or striking. So you can do both of them safely or you can do both of them unsafely. Uh, you just have to ingrain in your students that it's important. Your training partner's safety is more important than anything else uh, in the in in the training environment so i mean you might have to step in and say guys chill out a little bit or take it easy a little take it a little easier on that guy but most of the we don't really have any mat bullies or anything like that uh, at the gym it would just it, we always have a talk with people and even i if I, I don't even have to do it sometimes and when the other people go over and be like, hey, you need to chill out on the on the smaller people, the newer people, or whatever it is. Okay. You mentioned your gym has somewhere around 50-ish students. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you also have at least one affiliate school. Right. Well, we have uh, – currently we have three affiliate schools, um, and we have – we have an affiliate school in Richmond uh, and an affiliate school for me is like we are affiliated kind of under the same banner. They have different names that I do their rank evaluations and I, I go down and do seminars and we cross train, things like that. So that is MCC jujitsu in Richmond. Um, I also have um, Dan Howard runs a gym in uh, Harlan, uh, Kentucky which is uh, Howard's Family Martial Arts. And he is a originally a, he's a really experienced karate uh, practitioner. So he teaches a karate school. He has a big karate class. And it's the old knockdown, drag out kind of karate. So they spar hard. 
and you know they it's definitely not a McDojo karate school and he incorporated uh, jiu-jitsu into his and he's really grown his program down there with the jiu-jitsu both the adults and kids and then we have in hazard uh, top fight academy uh, which is uh, under John Helton who's a black belt under me and uh, they have a program down there so you know I have three different three different schools three different places that people train and we're and with on pretty much the same page as far as like how to train, you know, I like the fact that every, every gym has its, I don't dictate anything. I let them kind of train with the same, whatever the vibe, but the, the key thing is that uh, we kind of keep that sort of honor, integrity, hard training and, um, and making sure that uh, we're keeping the jujitsu, uh, like strong, not watering it down. Okay. Um, I, as I said earlier, I trained jujitsu at Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky. Uh, mm-hmm. Prof- Professor Scott Smith has us do, really, we do just jujitsu at our academy. I mean, we will do have some wrestling takedown type classes uh, and, you know, focuses for that. But it's really just Brazilian jujitsu at our academy. Um, I've seen many schools that mix, you know, some MMA and some striking in with that. And I've, I've noticed it seems to be a, a very delicate balancing act. Like there's different ways, you know, there's different ways to skin a cat. There's different ways to go about having a, a successful academy. Have you found sticking to jujitsu and judo attracts a more sustainable maybe business model or a, a better clientele than if you try to mix in striking and things like that? Um, I suppose, I mean, I'm not, I've not really pushed the striking and MMA um, programs much with the gym. So I don't know exactly how that would change. I know that uh, typically, you know, if you get people in for gi or even no gi jiu-jitsu, you tend to get a different type of mindset than if you have an MMA academy. Um, and and, I, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but there's, um, you know, there are people who want to be martial artists and, and there are people that just want to be fighters. And I think there's a difference in the way those people sort of interact in the gym and just from my experience and and i'm not saying that uh, one's good or bad you're just going to have a different mindset i think um in the different groups when i, I don't do, know if you or not no i i would say i agree i mean it, it seems there are many different examples even if i focus just on here in louisville um you have Derby City who focuses, for the most part, they have a very much so thriving jujitsu program, but they also do MMA. But it seems to me, and someone may correct me if one of my buddies from Derby City listens, um, but for the most part, the, the jujitsu program, I would say, from a business perspective, kind of pays the bills. I guess, I don't know, actually. They have a pretty good kickboxing and boxing program going right now. So maybe they're doing a, a better job at the balancing act than I'm giving them credit for. But uh, across the board, I would say I agree. It seems uh, it's kind of a different crowd when you start mixing in 
the striking, and or the MMA. Now, there's some clean-cut boxing gyms. I, I go to House of Warrior, uh, Fern Valley, and Louisville, and it's just boxing. And that's a very, right. very family-oriented place. So I'm not saying, you know, striking people or just, you know, trashy people or, you know, or a- anything like that. But it, it is interesting to try to see the balance when gyms try to, uh, you know, balance between striking, MMA, and the grappling. It, it seems to be a, a definite balancing act. I'm not a business or a gym owner, but I, I can imagine from a gym owner perspective, that has to be the type of stuff you're thinking about. Yeah, it just, I mean, it, you know, it, there are ways to, to train everything to make it uh, a positive experience. And I, I just think, you know, it, well, it honestly, it takes a different mindset to go and, and train at, a, you know, to want, to want to get hit hard in the head <laughs> a lot <laughs> is, uh, is a different mindset than I think a lot of, uh, of jujitsu and jujitsu. Obviously you can get injured, um, you know, a lot of different ways I've had injuries, but by and large, it seems like the injuries are less severe in jujitsu than they're in MMA. Uh, the trauma your body takes Sure. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and even more so, or maybe not more so, but I would say jujitsu is less prone to injuries than even judo. Would you agree with that? Uh, pot. Yes, yes and no, I, I suppose. I think, I mean, I, I, well, there's a lot more impact in judo. Uh, I've been injured in judo uh, a fair bit. So, I don't have any stats on it, but, you know, just from, uh, you know, my experience, I would say it depends on how you train. Um, you know, the, the big, the big thing with, um, and I think that one of the, the reasons that a lot of jujitsu schools now, especially don't, don't, a lot of students don't like to train takedowns. Um, I've, I've seen it's like they're, you know, it's kind of like, well, I'm just going to sit down anyway, you know, <laughs> you know, and pull guard, which is fine. You know, that's a strategy you can use if you're going to be in a tournament. But if you actually want to know how to fight, then you have to be able to control the game from and the standing game as well. So I, it's just you have to balance. Uh, there's so much time spent on the ground. But I think one of the things that's problematic is uh, that people don't know how to fall and don't know how to take a fall and be cooperative with the falling techniques because judo, you know, uh, judo maybe is uh, an 80, 20, or maybe even a 90, 10 split between uh, stand up and groundwork. And then jujitsu at the average place is about the, the opposite, right? So, about 80 or 90 times percent on the ground and 10 to 20 standing up for that. So, you know, when you're trying to do that, it's just the, you add that impact in and, it, you know, you just have to, um, I think takedowns have the, have the potential to be a lot more damaging just because you're falling. But a lot of that stuff is, you know, whether or not you get injured is in, a, in the way you train and how much you prep for that 
how cooperative you are as a training partner. Uh, do you try to twist out of every throw and land on your face, or do you just take the fall comfortably because you know how to fall well? I know in judo, you know, you may do uh, 200 break falls like in every single class. You know, that may be a, a, a thing, right? And j- jumping forward rolls and cartwheels and round offs and all this stuff. And so you're kind of comfortable flying through the air, which if you're trying to get all of the things that are important in jujitsu in, you know, and focus on the ground, uh, you have to, you have to sort of tilt the balance the other way. And I think a lot of times uh, uh, the injuries that I've seen come from, whether it's judo or jujitsu class, it's, it's from people who aren't, uh, comfortable enough with falling cooperative with their sparring it's sort of like not being able to fall and not being willing to take a fall is sort of like not being willing to tap out it's exactly the same thing if if somebody catches me in a sanagi or a hip throw and i'm deathly afraid of landing and i will i will do everything conceivable to not land or not fall I usually hit harder and more awkwardly than if I just landed. It's sort of like if you were training uh, cooperatively and you put the arm bar on and the person just didn't tap out because they didn't want to, they didn't want to give up. So, you know, landing a throw and landing a submission are kind of comparable in terms of their potential for injury. It's just that people are, you know, they'll tap out. Whereas, there's not really a tap out. The tap out in the falling part is, is just accepting the fall. Makes sense. Um, Brian, when I Google your name, one of the first things that comes up, I type in Brian Jones, Frankfurt, Kentucky. Um, there's an article that says Frankfurt police incorporates jujitsu into training. And then there's this video. It looks like the local news. There's actually a lady there, um, that you're doing a, a news story with and you come up kind of out of nowhere and, and kind of take her down. It's kind of a funny, uh, funny clip. How did you get involved with the police? So I've been training a lot of students. I have a lot of uh, law enforcement officers that train with me. Uh, some from Lexington, you know, I've had Versailles, Lawrenceburg, different, different agencies, state police. And we have a fair number of students because we're in Frankfurt. Um, all the, a lot of the police officers will do in-service training here. So um, they come by and just catch rolls with us or, you know, pay drop-ins or, or just drop in or whatever. And so we have a pretty good uh, relationship with the uh, local fire police departments, first responders. And so, you know, I had some conversations uh, with um, uh, Captain Tracy um, about and, and the previous, um, both the previous or poli- previous police chief and our new uh, police chief uh, are wanting to incorporate more jujitsu-based defensive tactics. And so we've um, we've been working to create a program. You know, we've basically created a program that um, we're hoping to implement sort of department-wide. So I've been training. Um, with those, you know, I've been working with them uh, for probably a year now, uh, working on a program, getting, trying to get buy-in, you know, so it's, 
it's really um, interesting. So it just kind of came from the fact that um, after Tracy, Scott Tracy was one of uh, the students we had up there. And um, so we did the video uh, over there and were interviewed. Now, I watched the video and it looks like I killed uh, that interviewer with Harai uh, Goshi, but I actually put her down really easy. She just <laughs> so there's that because people were like, ah, you know, I try to make it. She was just like, I just, I'm just going to grab you and I want you to throw me. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so the backstory on this. And so she probably weighed 100 pounds. She's not a very big person. So I, uh, she grabbed me and I just did Osotogari, I think. But I, I really put her down easy. It just looked, and, and she was excited when she got up. So she kind of grabbed her head. So it looked like I killed her in the video. She was fine. She was happy. She actually wanted me to throw her again but they just didn't have time to put that stuff in the video. So, uh, yeah, it, so that, that's, uh, one of those things that I try to do, uh, worked with a few different agencies uh, on defensive tactics. I know, uh, there is an organization like blue jitsu in Lexington uh, based out of Lexington. And then there's some others. Um, what is it? Invictus. I forget the mm-hmm. names of them, but are, are you, do you do any work with any of those types of organizations or do you kind of do your own thing with helping the local police force? Well, I've, I've worked with, um, the guys from Blue Jitsu. I know them. Um, and you know, I, I haven't, I wasn't really a part specifically of that program, but I definitely supported it and, uh, and, and trained with those guys. So I'm not really a, member of any of these you know sort of organizations like law enforcement organization jiu-jitsu organizations i just sort of promote law enforcement you know promote jiu-jitsu within the law enforcement community and try to get um you know i've got individual officers i've gotten some some contracts and things with agencies over the years to train uh to train uh, defensive tactics uh and since I've had some on the civilian side of firearm, I've never been in the military or in law enforcement, but I have taken quite a few courses in tactical firearms instruction and you know, tactical firearms training of, you know, pistol, rifle, shotgun, that sort of thing. And so I try to utilize uh, a lot of things like that and work with a jujitsu based uh system uh, that includes things like weapon retention and you know weapon deployment under stress and a lot of a lot of that stuff so well brian i really appreciate you joining me for the episode today it looks like according to to google it looks like valhalla academy is located at 318 saint Clair street in frankfort kentucky is that the accurate address it is Okay, and according to the website, it says um, the Valhalla Academy Kids Program is developed for children ages 9 all the way up to 18. Is that accurate? Yeah, it, it is. Um, we, we start to shift the kids program at about 16, um, but we've, um, you know, we get the, uh, you know, at 16 is when, uh, students are really entered into the adult program. Um, now we have, 
for some reason had some issues with the domain. So our actual new website is valhallaacademy.org instead of .com. Uh, the kids program had its own website that was linked and we're just trying to sort of fuse these websites now uh, and, and put these things together. So there's Valhalla Academy kids is a, is a program, but then valhallaacademy.org is the current website. And the description on valhallaacademy.org says we teach self-defense-oriented, old-school-style jujitsu. What does old-school style mean? Is it not as much of a, a focus on competing in like jujitsu tournaments, more so uh, practical stuff, if you can, stay on top, that type of thing, self-defense? Is that what you mean by old-school-style jujitsu? Right. I So I kind of, <clears throat> you know, I made a, and, and I, I had a social media brand for a little while called Old School Jiu-Jitsu, and I wrote a book called Old School, The Old School Jiu-Jitsu Manifesto uh, that's on Amazon. And if you kind of, uh, the way I look at it as, is, you know, I make that, that distinction as when I was learning Jiu-Jitsu, Jiu-Jitsu was mostly about self-defense and now it's become i think mostly about sport and it's not that you know people join jiu-jitsu class classes for different reasons but pretty much everybody across the board that you ask why they're taking jiu-jitsu self-defense comes up as a primary driver you know there's i think people start out with the idea they want that they want to do jujitsu so that they can fight and then later like to get in, maybe get into the competitive aspect of it. So what I'm sort of stressing is not even technique or um, anything, you know, there's like, I guess, new school and old school like techniques, but I think all the techniques are valid. It's just that they're to me, old school means that, you haven't lost sight of the fact that the primary thing jujitsu is, is a fighting art and that um, you, you need to learn that part of it before you, you need to learn. You need to be able to use it in self-defense. And then if you want to, if you really like tournaments and you compete a lot, then that's cool. Then more power to you. It's a great sport as well. But that uh, an old school approach is one that doesn't neglect self-defense aspect. Now I see I'm a member of a Facebook group called old school jujitsu. Is that you? Yeah. Uh, there was an old school jujitsu Facebook group. And to be honest with you, I believe that I haven't been on Facebook or Instagram for a while. I, I just, I was spending way too much time on social media and for my mental health, just decided to stop using social media. So, uh, you know, I know that that's not a great business move or anything, but just personally, just didn't want to deal with social media anymore. Uh, but, for, but, but yeah, I, this Facebook the, group has over 16,000 members. That originally was your group? Yes. Interesting. Wow, that's a, a pretty, pretty solid following. Yeah, I had a lot of, um, a lot of, 
I was having trouble moderating the group and, you know, I started that and I didn't realize it was going to get as big as it was. And the, the Instagram account had something like 40,000 followers or something. So it was, it was pushing up there, but it was just too much. And I had too many things kind of too many life things going on to kind of, you know, I may do something like that in the future, but uh, so yeah, that the, the, the group, I, I think I, I started the group, but I'm not on Facebook now, so I haven't really seen, seen what's happened. So hopefully it's, you know, people are in, enjoying it and talking about old school jujitsu there. Yeah. It looks very active. I'm looking at it now and there's 12 minutes ago. I see a a post of some a couple guys grappling. 45 minutes ago, uh, an article in there from BJJ Fanatics uh, about, you know, Gordon Ryan. And, you know, it looks very active. That's wild that you started it and then you kind of checked out. Yeah. Well, great stuff, Brian. Before we wrap things up, are there any other, I don't know, plugs? Or it doesn't sound like you have any social media, but other than, you know, your gym, uh, uh, address which we mentioned located in frankfurt is there anything else you would like to mention before we wrap up the episode brian um i would just say that if anybody's interested in training to get in touch with me if they're in the area if they're in the area and they're just passing through or want to visit we always love visitors and try to be uh, really good hosts and extend the same you know vibe that we have with training uh, to, to people who want to pop in and we'd love to meet, you know, we like to meet new people. So our guys travel a bit and, and go to different gyms and things like that. So, uh, I just say, you know, I, I just hope we can, everybody can keep training, get, keep training safely. Uh, just kind of avoid BJJ politics and just train, <laughs> you know, I just, I get a little, it's just so much, uh, so much weirdness and and uh, politics in the, the jiu-jitsu community. It's just, um, I think people should just focus more on their their training and less on arguing about stuff. Fair enough. Well, great stuff, Brian Jones of Valhalla Academy in Frankfort, Kentucky. Thank you very much for your time, Brian. Uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Kelly. It's great to be on here. Talk to you later. See ya. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to The Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon. 